this, narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Welcome to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. I am your host, James Newton. And I'm Daniel Carpenter, your co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Bo Burnham fans rejoice. We are going to be reviewing Inside, his comedy special that came out in 2021. This is really interesting because I don't call it a comedy special. It's so much more than that. Um, but for those of you that haven't seen it or know what we're talking about, uh, there really isn't a way to spoil this other than just not talking specifics. So James and I are going to talk very broadly about it at first in our spoiler free review. Then we're going to meander on over to maybe more specific quote unquote spoilery territory later on in our podcast. So please stay tuned for that. And if you want to see it with a relatively, um, untainted view uh then please uh stop listening to us after spoiler free is done that being said james um i went through a few phases over the last few years with bo burnham uh the first time i was introduced to him was actually his uh debut as a director for a film called eighth grade which came out back in 2018 eighth grade currently on my letterboxed profile is uh, currently in my top 20 favorite movies of all time. It's incredibly deep. It's incredibly well done. It's, one of, it's the greatest modern movie of, about middle school that I've found so far. Obviously, we're not reviewing it, but then I started listening to Bo Burnham's comedy and listening to his music, which was always this witty but also surprisingly deep stuff. And now he comes out with this, and i got to be honest with you, He's gone from one of my favorite comedians to just one of my favorite artists, period. Uh, Yeah. I don't always agree with what he has to say, but I always love and enjoy the way he says it. So that being said, with Inside, kind of another great addition, but I'm curious to know, what's your history with Bo? My history with Bo Burnham was pretty much non-existent until Inside came out uh, because... um, I really just knew Bo Burnham through his songs that he sang, and my friends in high school really liked some of his songs. One of them specifically called Kill Yourself. Ah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, high school James has a pretty good beat on who Bo Burnham is and what he's about. He's not interested, so he's going to mosey on out and not really check out anything Bo Burnham related. Um, then spring of 2021 rolls around, Inside comes out, and it looks like a very art house uh almost horror comedy i guess <laughs> uh psychological horror in some ways um and uh it caught my attention um and it still has some of that uh trademark gallows humor potty humor that bo burnham is renowned for but um he definitely wears his heart on his sleeve a lot more in this um because after i watched inside i did watch make happy uh which was the last show he did before he did inside which i I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Um, 
but yeah, I, I just want to, I want to say those of you that haven't seen inside, um, the content warnings, uh, everything is pretty okay, except for he's in his underpants probably about 75% of the time. And also the language is horrid. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty dirty. Um, but that won't keep me from recommending it to those who are not sensitive to those sorts of things. Right. Uh, because it's, it's a lot of different things at the same time. And every time I watch it, it takes on a different personality to me. Yeah. Don't see this with your family. If you're like, Oh, let's go see a very deep thought provoking film with the kiddos. It's like, Nope, probably want to skip on this. Uh, if swearing makes your language colorful, this has every stroke and shade of the rainbow in it, uh, pretty much. Uh, oh, yeah. Such as Bo Burnham and his comedy. But there is, for those of you who are older or maybe older families, I don't know, people that can handle that or, or don't mind it, um, there is a lot of rich stuff to unpack here. Um, for me personally, I really do feel like Inside is the best... And really, the only great movie that came out in 2020 that ever acknowledged it. There's like a Netflix film I saw. I never watched it because I have taste. But it was like, towards the end of 2020, I saw it appear as like F2020 or something like that. And I was like, okay, we're all jumping on board the bandwagon, whatever. Oh, Death to 2020. Yeah, I remember Death that to 2020. coming out. Thank you. I was it's like, so tasteless. wait, wait, this... It felt like BuzzFeed, like, oh, this just came out just as a reactionary thing, just to get clicks. Okay, I'm just going to ignore it. Um, but Inside, what Inside does is it is a great COVID film, and it's never explicitly brought up. Bo talks his way right. around that, which we'll get back to in a bit. But it, it does such a good job at epitomizing that claustrophobic feeling of I want to get out of my house but I can't so I need to find some way to take these horrid moldy lemons and make it lemonade and I you know um, James you and I were in a similar position right when the pandemic started uh, just before the pandemic started I was already kind of at home a lot with my family uh, I was looking for work I didn't have a job I liked, meaning I didn't have any job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, just trying to figure stuff out. And I have a weird perspective because having just graduated from college then, COVID just felt like it brought everyone else down to my level. And there were some parts that were rough, like not getting out of the house for a few weeks. That was really rough. But uh, I think this does a good job at epitomizing and capturing those deep, feelings right how about you james yeah it, it it kind of goes beyond um uh all of the covid problems that came in 2020 2021 still kind of dealing with it a little bit in 2022 i don't want to say it's over yeah um but uh because i don't want to be the first one to call it you know because then i'll get stoned <laughs> right uh because it really isn't but um he, uh, like you said, he doesn't mention COVID. Um, and a lot of the things that he talks about, since he is the sole, um, the sole creative force behind this thing, he's filming all of it, he's editing all of it, he's writing all of it, he's performing all of it. Um, you really get a taste of 
how he feels about the pandemic and how he feels about how the digital world is creeping into our intimate daily lives more and more, and how that's even more prevalent in 2022 than it was when he was recording it in 2020. Mm. Um, and just for context, he recorded this whole thing in a little guest house in his backyard um, during the 2020 pandemic, and he, re- he finished recording probably about a year or so um, after he had started quarantining and recording this special for Netflix. Mm. Um, and it's sort of his descent into madness, I suppose. <laughs> um, however, however real that was, um, we're not really sure, but it's, it's a very cool encapsulation of, of where his heart was at and where I think a lot of the American conscious, a lot of the world, a lot of the world was at experiencing that. Yeah. So it, it hit me deep as well. Yeah. There's a unique brand of creativity throughout this. Um, and in, in a strange way, I feel like this film shows the essence of creativity. I mean, I went to film school, got out just before COVID started. And it's like, I don't know, we used the same cameras that Bo used. He used a, yeah. uh, actually, I don't know if it was the exact same one, but a little nerdy moment for you guys. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a relatively simple camera. It's not multi thousands of dollars and Bo used that and some equipment he had to make a feature length film that became incredibly popular. It won three Emmys, uh, outstanding music direction, outstanding direction for a variety special and outstanding writing for a variety special. No comedy special. I have watched before since can match this level of quality which isn't saying much because yeah. i don't watch a lot of comedy specials so james <laughs> as the more uh learned it of the two of us when it comes to that you might have more input there well um it's it's the best because it's it's unlike anything else um like i said he's not in front of a live audience he's shooting it by himself he has full control over it it's the things that he chooses to keep in um, that really give you an idea of what he's trying to say. Because there's a lot of chances where he could have cut, um, but he didn't. Um, and uh, I think that's excellent filmmaking. Um, uh, it sort of feels like uh, Bone Burnham took the beginning of a comedy special. There's like a brief, you know, more cinematic intro to a comedy special you would watch on Netflix. And he just sort of stretched it out and made it into an art house film. And he never gets up on the stage, and he never talks before an audience. And because of that, the audience, the uh, the audience, you and me, um, we are his only audience. It feels, and there's a certain amount of intimacy. There's no laughter. There's no laughter uh, upon a joke landing, um, and he acknowledges that. He's like, "What the heck? What the heck am I doing? Why am I performing if no one's gonna think I'm funny? If no one is telling me I'm funny?" Um, and he even goes beyond that and says, just because I'm self-aware doesn't mean I'm smart. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of times where, uh, and I think this is something Daniel has said about a lot of, of movies or maybe characters before where he's, you know, he's pointing one finger at us, you know, saying, you're, you're a problem. You're doing lots of things wrong. Your issues with the world are, you know, not nearly as big as the rest of the world's. But whenever he's pointing that finger at us, he's pointing three right back at himself and saying, I'm just as much, if not more, of the problem 
Um, yeah. FD Signifier, a YouTuber that I watch some of his content. He's kind of a uh, culture commentator kind of guy. He's pretty cool. Um, he, uh, he, an African-American man, described Bo Burnham's inside as the epitomization of white existential dread. Mm. Uh, essentially saying uh, this, this is kind of the consciousness of a lot of people in the United States uh, during 2020. Uh, we're clinging on to our news, our headlines. We're realizing that, wow, uh, white people, we cause a lot of problems and we don't know what to do with that. And Bo Burnham kind of exemplifies that in like, he goes to the point where he's like, I can fix it. I cause the problem and I can fix it. And then he goes even further beyond and says, I can't fix it. I'm sad. And then he goes further beyond that and says, life is meaningless. I'm going crazy. <laughs> uh, and that is white liberal existential dread. And I think it's uh, so well encapsulated here. Um, yeah. Sort of a um, activism turned to nihilism, I suppose. Mm. Uh, you kind of see him go through that entire arc and several other character arcs. <laughs> strangely <Yeah. laughs> enough through this goofy comedy special where he sings about facetiming with his mom yeah um so so, so james i'm curious to know netflix and a lot of yeah. other people call this a comedy special yeah what how would you classify this movie i guess i would qualify it as a comedy special <laughs> i don't know uh because he calls it that he calls it a comedy special um but if if he didn't maybe i would say it's a an indie, an indie film. Mm. Uh, it kind of defies genre in a lot of ways. It's part musical, part. I feel like I would call it an art house comedy. Art house comedy, which okay. I've never, I've never seen an art house comedy. I didn't know they existed, but with Inside, I'm starting to think that maybe it's possible. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I don't know. A few more thoughts. Um, this yeah. movie is inspirational in such a weird way. Um, I think it's inspirational for me because it's imperfect. It's, it's unpolished. You see throughout several of his songs, chords and crap and clutter, sometimes used for artistic and deliberate effect in some of the shot compositions he does. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's inspiring. Uh, it's, um, it is both a, uh, it romanticizes the artist that always has their stuff all over the place and you know oh I'm I'm a madman but I'm making something beautiful um, and it's also not romantic it's also very much sad you know this this um, I I don't believe that Bo was as openly uh, manic or as frantic as he was in the comedy special but i do believe he took some legitimate feelings he had and played them up in certain moments yeah. for effect and i think that messiness you know like you said everything in the frame everything that stays in the frame is deliberate there's some shots where he's you know around his guest house or around the room and he's like doing some b-roll so all the a-roll is him singing there's other footage he's putting over that uh, just kind of goofing off or whatever. And those rooms are clean, very spotless, doesn't draw attention to the clutter. So there's a deliberateness he has to where it's like, you're trapped in here with me and all my clutter stuff. I need to figure out stuff. I need to organize. 
both intellectually and physically, but it's not being dealt with. And there's a theme throughout that, which is just inspiring in a weird way, you know, where it's like, yeah, you don't need a million dollar studio to make good stuff. You just need a camera and a, a will to create. And you right. can do it. Um, and I think we've we've looked at smaller scale films before and talked about how through creativity, you know, comes from the kind of the crucible of of limitations getting squished on all sides and having to work within a smaller box. Yeah. Bo Burnham is literally doing that. I mean, the door isn't even big enough for him on this house that he's working in. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely inspired some really madcap and dreadful and suspenseful and scary and funny moments throughout this thing. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to go back. You were talking about eighth grade uh, earlier at the beginning of this uh, recording, and uh, you can really see Bo Burnham's lighting skills. He really kind of doubled down on his lighting, I think, in Make Happy, his last live comedy special that he recorded for Netflix. Um, he goes really ham. He goes crazy. Um, and you can see that in eighth grade as well. Um, but even more so, his his skill uh, with cinematography and lighting um, has has multiplied he's he's been refining his skills over the last uh, five or six years and um that includes um not only camera angles um and transitions where he slowly pulls in the camera or slowly pulls it out or slowly fades to sort of show the monotony of day in and day out nothing really changes every day is the same yeah um to other things that uh, I didn't notice until my most recent watch, like in his last song where there's a, there's a giant projection of himself playing in the background, sort of told me that his di the digital version of himself is becoming more real than the real version of himself, which is something that he was kind of warning people against earlier in the film mm. um, about the quote-unquote more real and safe and sanitary digital space. Yeah. Um, but also uh, pulling formats uh, straight from the digital world that we know and love. Uh, the song where he's FaceTiming with his mom is uh, entirely cropped. Um, what is it? Um, nine by 16. I don't know the dimensions for yeah. uh, a phone screen, but <laughs> um, it gets, it's, it's all cropped in a certain way that is familiar. And whenever he talks about Instagram, uh, you get the 1080 by 1080 uh, crop on uh, on all of his stuff, except in one moment in the song, uh, which um, is is strange to me, uh, but the the format pulls back out again uh, in a more intimate moment in the song, uh, which I think uh, is sort of him saying that there are still some real and redeeming qualities to Instagram. Um, you'll have to listen to and watch uh, the music video for White Woman's Instagram uh, sometime. It's it's very funny, but also I do think he's he's saying as as fake and as polished social media can be there can also be some real raw moments uh there that can benefit people so you have a lot more notes than i did in the podcast thing <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for those of you who can't see there's like basic bullet points we have for each episode and james was like yeah here's some very 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 specific examples from several songs i'm like you have seen this a lot man that's great so, James, before we kind of head over into our spoiler view and talk a little bit more specifically about the movie, curious to know, out of five stars, where does Inside sit with you? 
I'm going to give Inside a four and a half out of five. Ah. Mm. And you? I'm going to copy and paste that. Over the ah. Other <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's, it's really well done. I think in the context of a comedy special, in the context of a former YouTuber turned, you know, artist sensation, I'd say, you know, in that context, a five out of five. But overall, when compared to other movies, I would say a four and a half, which is still not bad. Let's head over on to our spoiler review, or I guess our specific review. Want to join the conversation? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Casually Critical Podcast to get the inside scoop on future episodes. Feel free to message us on either platform to join in the casual correspondence or provide feedback on the show. Now it's time to dive into our spoiler review. If you haven't seen Inside and really want to, why are you still listening to this? I mean, for real, get out or get inside the movie and watch it. I don't know. Uh, but either way, uh, welcome back. So, James, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out. Uh, and ask you, Bo Burnham does several songs. He does several moments. What's one of your favorites? Um, pulling up the discography right now, I think probably um, Look Who's Inside Again is my favorite song hmm. um, because it's a bit of an intimate look into how he's having trouble being creative in this little, little, this little room that he's in, but he's also sort of musing about how, as a kid, um, he didn't have many friends, and so he was kind of stuck in his room then, and that's what forced him to be creative at that time. Um, so I really enjoyed that and I kind of related to it in, in a small way. I did have friends. Don't, don't worry. Um, but, um, I feel where Bo's coming from and I, I really like the song. Uh, it's, it's very catchy. All of the songs are earworms. I mean, it was my soundtrack. I listened to inside the soundtrack nonstop for like almost a year. So what about you? Goodness. Uh, I was stalling to let you just kind of talk. And, uh, so I could, I could kind of find it all. Um, man, I, I really so love listening to me, Daniel. Is that what you're saying? I was, I was listening to you. Come on. Uh -huh. Really? <laughs> were you really yeah, doing you're about how all the songs were earworms and you liked uh, all eyes on me as your favorite. Um, nice try. Nice try. Wrong <laughs> on one count. Oh. No, nah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, got you. I caught you. I can't I be you. a good friend to you. I, I caught try. you. I try <laughs> to be, but I don't ever feel like I'm a good enough. And I wish there's all the songs. You said Look Who's <laughs> Inside Again is your favorite. I redeem myself. You're stalling once again. <laughs> Shut up. You sly dog. You caught yourself monologuing. <laughs> caught myself. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I want to edit this out, but I think in the spirit of what we're talking about, that may not be an option. <laughs> okay. For artistic integrity, we must leave this in. Good Lord. Okay. Um, I, I want to, oh, goodness. Uh, when I say favorite, um, favorite song, like just to listen to straight up on its own merits. I'm torn between... <laughs> Uh, I like problematic and, <laughs> uh, goodbye is a good song, but I'll never listen to that a lot. Cause it's just so sombering. A lot of these yeah. can be, um, yeah. I'd say all eyes on me is I'd say in terms of lighting and style, 
probably, gosh, I don't even know. White woman's Instagram gets me. Uh, call me, call me sold out, and call me cheesy, but that's kind of where <laughs> it's at for me. Um, yeah, great. One thing, there's really no easy way to transition. I, I've just ousted myself as a terrible friend, and uh, uh, so now that that's kind of out, I, I I'm really just trying to get through this podcast so I could just end the discord call with you and cry um but uh putting my feelings on hold for a moment uh bo burnham is an interesting man as we've talked about uh one of the things about his way of making a point without it without directly addressing it is in his world when he or in his um song i think it's comedy where he talks about healing the world through comedy and he says, don't panic, call me, I'll tell you a joke. Hey, if you're in a burning building, don't worry. Just call me and I'll tell you a joke. Uh, Problem solved. If the KKK comes after you, which is, again, something he doesn't explicitly say, but he does say it, then yeah, just call me. I'll tell you a joke. Don't panic. And it is such a brilliant, restrained way of him saying, I feel like my profession is useless at a time like this. I feel like I can't add anything to the world. And what he does is instead of sing about that uselessness, he hyperbolizes it and twists the tables and says, no, it's useful in any emergency. Call me and Bo will be funny and tell you a joke. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant way of pointing out the obvious of when you listen to the song, you're like, but that's not how it works. And then you're like, oh, wait a second. He's doing this intentionally. I see where he's coming from. Um, so it's so simple, but such an effective way of telling, it's, uh, making a point. Uh, James, you're yeah. talking about. I'm cherry picking now some moments. I'm sure you have some as well. Uh, there's a there's a moment where he's a live streamer or kind of role playing as one. He's got a gaming headset <laughs> on, and he's <laughs> talking about his song "Intern," which just happened before it. And then right after that reaction is done, it goes into him reacting to the reaction, and then him reacting to the reaction, and then him reacting to the reaction of him reacting to the reaction. There's this idea, again, this was maybe my interpretation of it, there's this idea of him saying, hey, all we're doing is just talking about stuff until it becomes muddled noise and we don't even know what we're talking about anymore, you know? Yeah. We're talking, we're criticizing, we're critiquing, we're calling attention to something, and but so many people are doing it to the point where it becomes a auditory fog. There's another one where... <clears throat> In one of his many self-deprecating moments where he's talking about how he's a piece of crap and all he does is cry and walk around the room all day. Uh, there's like a, a there's a bit I forgot about completely. It's like a video game where he pretends to be a live streamer on a green screen, like playing a video game where he literally just sits, walks around. You can press and hold the button and he cries and like he's he's reacting all this like it's new to him. Like, oh, interesting. So, the, OK, um, oh, let's play the piano. Well, that made him feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's have him cry again um <laughs> uh yeah there's there's such creative moments in this um but those are those are a few i know i'm missing some you guys there's so many um yeah please leave a comment on our social media if there's anything that you thought was your favorite but james i know you've got stuff don't lie to me this time I promise to listen and be a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I did mention White Woman's Instagram has some interesting depth where um, he's he's singing about he's pretending to be a white woman, you know, a mid thirties, you know, mid twenties white woman on Instagram, singing about his mom and how he how she misses her mom and um, how she's how all these things have changed in her life without her mom. Yeah, and that's whenever the frame starts to get bigger and um, you start to see uh, some of the lights around him and things like that, and it becomes a little more real, and then it pulls back. Uh, whenever he starts singing about a goat cheese salad um because that's what social media feels like and i do think uh the noise thing that you were talking about daniel is very true for a lot of his songs um including uh, welcome to the internet which some people are saying is the best villain song of 2021 which i think is hilarious because <laughs> it's totally a villain song um but welcome to the internet and that funny feeling both of those songs are kind of just like Bo Burnham kind of reading through somebody's Facebook feed, kind of, mm. or their Twitter feed, and just saying like, "Oh, hey, look, like, like Grandma's picking out picking cherries today. That's cool. Oh, Kim Kardashian's getting divorced. I guess. Oh my gosh, school shooting. Okay. Oh wow, an advertisement for this game. This looks like fun. <laughs> so it's just sort of like this." desensitization because we're exposed to all this information um once again he indirectly is saying like in my in my interpretation he's saying like well like as we scroll and we absorb information in this way uh we lose empathy um mm. because everything is digested in the same format in the same safe sanitary format of the internet mm. um where our reaction means little to nothing to anyone uh that's actually around us physically and only means anything to someone uh, on the other side of the screen yeah what i love is no one all the things people are talking about this movie no one is ever saying that bo burnham sold out to make this movie yeah. um and i think one of the biggest evidence of that that came out not that there needed to be any evidence about it it kind of spoke for itself but the outtakes dropped a few months ago and holy cow it's basically a sequel <laughs> yeah it's almost just as long i think it is just as long i'm not sure inside's like an hour check. 27 yeah that sounds right the outtakes are i'm stalling as james is typing it in they're an hour and three minutes long oh so gosh. just a little bit shorter than the original oh my gosh so yeah, it's the sequel that we didn't uh, deserve, but the sequel we got nonetheless. Uh, it is, it's basically the B side of the album, and the outtakes are amazing. There's some really good stuff in there. I don't know why he didn't keep some of them in, but the amount of content he created, <laughs> you're starting to realize he's really holding back with inside sitting on that mound yeah. of content. And deciding, you know what, we don't need this song. It's been, and I don't know if this was true when it was when he was editing, but it's like the song's been cleaned, it's been mastered, it's been the vocals have been taken care of. You see in the credits, Bo Burnham had a team that kind of helped him mix all the tracks. Uh, and it's like if I was Bo Burnham, I would have said, "No, screw you! I've put in blood, sweat, and tears. I'll make this two and a half hours," you know. But instead, he's like, "No, I'm gonna cut this." And it's just like wow okay um dang and uh is it's one of the 
biggest indirect flexes, I think, creatively speaking. It's it's really great. And it's um it was I think it was number one on YouTube the day it came out. Um <laughs> yeah. to to those of you who haven't seen it yet, it's it's available on YouTube for free. Right. Um and just to give you a little sampler platter, there's a clip about the ICU, uh the uh inside cinematic universe where he talks about the upcoming movies in his cinematic universe one starring Sako, the the uh, based sock that yes. everyone loves on online is there a community of people that love him oh yeah oh no yeah <laughs> um yeah there are people that 100 percent believe everything that Sako said is true um there's yeah. another song called five years that talks about um uh, like your fi- a five year anniversary, and then it just goes on to him ranting about all the stupid, silly things that people that have been together for five years fight about. <laughs> My favorite part is he talks about how uh, modern feminism yes! gets thrown out the window when a spider shows up. <laughs> it's so good. That's it's my favorite so part. Good. There's also yeah, uh, there's another one where it's like spider walking on the wall, and and then he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Is it moving? Oh God, it's moving!" And it's just like <laughs> it's random for sure. It channels some of Bo Burnham's like vining years. Yeah. When he was a viner. Yeah. Um it's it's so much fun. Yeah. Goodness. So if you if you've seen inside and you really did like it, go check out the outtakes. Um, because they're pretty juicy. And I actually need to rewatch it again, frankly. Yeah. Um But uh yeah, I'm trying to think. Um oh. There was one other big thing I wanted to talk about now that we're kind of in the more detailed review. Let's do it. Um, there's a story arc that we didn't really acknowledge um, in the non-spoilery section uh, about Bo Burnham going into hiding for five years and staying behind the camera for the most part Yeah. Um, because of panic attacks that he was having on stage, which he acknowledges um, in the song All Eyes on Me. Mm. Um, how do you, Daniel, kind of see that story arc playing out? Uh, him being an anxious ex-comedian, where does where does he end, like where does he start and where does he end? Do you think by the end of Inside? So I'm still trying to piece together what exactly happened. I do feel like there's there's bookends. Yeah. He talks a bit about this when he's on the H3H3 podcast, which is not a podcast medium <laughs> that I enjoy listening to. I stopped. I, Shoot, I didn't know they were still doing it. Yeah, they're still doing it. Uh, Bo Burnham's been on oh, a few yeah. times. Um, okay. I don't, I, I hasten to, I don't want to talk more about that because we're currently recording a podcast and I feel like it might yeah. be slanderous. Um, but yeah, he talks a bit about, um, I'm trying to remember the specifics, but it's always something he wrestled with. Um, he would often have like two or three panic attacks while on stage and he'd just fight through it. Like the way he described it was when his mind and emotions became this this dread, this panic that fell over him, his body would still, he would still be going through the motions of what he rehearsed. So most people, I I don't think most people noticed because he was just still in his, I wouldn't say in the zone because that's a positive thing, but like going through the motions in the most literal sense, just sticking to the script. Yeah, sticking the script, still doing it. And to a certain degree, uh, I'm not an expert on mental illness, but from an intellectual standpoint, with Bo Burnham and his unique brand of comedy, which he even acknowledges an inside as being perhaps way too harsh and too excessive for what needed to be said, uh, I can imagine having a persona like that that people know me for 
and then expecting to be that every time I'm with someone, every time I'm, you know, in public. I can't imagine what he's had to go through with that, putting on such a bold face or a bold front. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I believe, I think his last special was what, Make Happy, right? That was what? Yeah, 20... it was like 2016. Yeah. So he stopped doing comedy. He didn't stop creating, though. He gave us eighth grade two years later, which, thank goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I can also relate. You know, he talks in the beginning. One of his songs is about, hey, I made you some content. Daddy made you your favorite stuff. Like, he's so tongue-in-cheek with just saying, look, I made you more. Did you miss me? Do you Back like by popular me? demand, I guess. Yeah. And there's a fine line he walks as a famous comedian and artist, but I don't know. I feel for him. And I, I know that wasn't, that answer wasn't as detailed maybe as yeah. you were asking for, but uh, oh, I... yeah, I don't know. Um, ironically, the song he sings in make happy at the very end where he's channeling Kanye West, mm-hmm. uh, that was my first foray into Bo Burnham proper. Uh, it was mm-hmm. eighth grade, which I didn't, I was like, oh, I think I've heard of Bo Burnham, um, but I didn't think much of it. Then fast forward to when you and I were in our apartment in uh, Austin, I came across that song and I said, oh my gosh, this is so deep. I love it. I want but more. But also not at the same time, you know, he talks about Pringle cans. Yeah. I know. And how he wants a daughter just so she can fit her arm into a Pringle can and reach the bottom. Boburnum is such a schmuck because he knows people expect like some unexpected deep things. So he's like, I want to have a daughter. And then everyone gets quiet because they're like, oh, shoot, is he about to go there? And then he's like, so she can fit her hands in a Pringle can. And I don't know. <laughs> he, he knows how to play the audience well. But yeah. I'm, for the record, I'm glad he took the break. I can't imagine the amount of pressure that must be on you, not just emotionally, but financially, to say, but yeah. if I keep doing a comedy special, if I just do one more, I'll get this much more money if I can just power through it. Um, yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe making more digital content is something that Bo Burnham should think more about. I don't know. Am I the one yeah. to say what he should think about? No. Don't listen to me, Bo. I'm, I'm a podcaster <laughs> with a humble viewer count of like, 20 but <laughs> and lord knows we want to speculate if he's coming back or not you know in any format right but who knows who really knows at this point yeah exactly i, I feel for him in a certain way as well um where he you know he spent five years those five years bettering himself and uh trying to get himself in shape mentally so that he could handle going back on the stage and he had plans to go on tour in spring of 2020 um, but then the funniest thing happened right um, and, uh, um, I think even, I think even someone who doesn't have a, an experience in the arts or in comedy or in creating content in any way, I think there's, there's a certain level that anyone can relate to Bo in this sense. Uh, a lot of people had plans in 2020, big plans. Um, I know you and I had both recently graduated and so, um, we were both kind of trying to get ourselves into shape, so to speak, uh, and put ourselves out into the world. Um, but just as that happened, um, 
you and me and Bo Burnham all had to go inside for a while. And uh, we found a sort of sick comfort um, in the inside, uh, the safety of the digital world yeah. and uh, the, the crutch uh, that it clearly becomes for Bo throughout um, this film, uh, the safety of being digital, even though he complains about it all the time. We know, uh, you know, watching it uh, a second time, we know that Bo is much more comfortable in this scenario than up on stage. Um, because he's not in front of people. He's not going to have panic attacks while he's performing. He can edit whatever parts, whatever mistakes he wants out. Um, and I think, I think we have all experienced that to a certain extent with, uh, the kind of the significant blow that our social lives took, um, with the pandemic and how some of us are still now just trying to warm up those social muscles once again. And there's almost a reluctance that I felt um to get back out there because it's just it's it doesn't feel the same again i'm I'm feeling more in introverted than i ever have in my life <laughs> um so I, I really related to that with Bo and you know the very last scene of him um you know stepping outside and then as soon as he opens the door the light that's been peeking through the whole time was actually a spotlight mm. uh, realizing that if he does actually go back into the world and start performing again he'll have to face his anxiety mm. um but fortunately, he doesn't end us, you know, there entirely. There is one last shot of himself kind of looking at his recorded work and, and being proud of it. Um, so it does end on an optimistic note, but he definitely does have a lot to say about where he's still at mental health-wise. So makes me feel for him. Yeah. Well, uh, without further ado, we're James and Daniel, and you've been listening to our podcast, Casually Critical, and hey... Here's a fun idea. How about I sit on the couch and listen to you record a podcast next time? <laughs>